Now, our first guest this evening is uh, is an activist. She's Sima Leipert, an activist from Namibia in the Nama Traditional Leaders Association Technical Committee on the Genocide and the great-granddaughter of, uh, we'll explain all of this, great-granddaughter of a Shark Island concentration camp survivor. Now, uh, where this, our entry point to the story is, uh, but we're going to be focusing more on the genocide in Namibia in detail, but the entry point to the story is the Namibian president blasting Germany uh, this past Saturday for defending Israel at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, pointing to the genocide Germany itself perpetrated on people in Namibia in the early 1900s. The Namibian uh, president's comments came just a week after King Abdullah also mentioned a genocide in, in, in Palestine. So this is the context, uh, Namibia slating Germany for its role in a previous genocide, kind of saying uh, you have no authority whatsoever to talk about uh, uh, genocide in any, any other country and uh, way worse. Uh, support a potential genocide that is happening right now. But what exactly, this is uh, the, the, the issue here that we deal with this evening, what exactly was the Herero and Namakwa genocide, uh, which was this campaign of ethnic extermination and collective punishment, which was waived, uh, waged against the Herero and Nama people in German Southwest Africa, as it was called that time, by the German Empire, and it occurred in uh, the early 20th century between 1904 and 1908. What exactly was this genocide that is now being referred to at international fora that occurred right on our doorsteps as South Africa? No better person uh, to speak to us about this than uh, Sima Leipert, as I mentioned, who is a great-granddaughter, amongst other things, of one of those uh, people who survived this particular genocide. Great speaking to you this evening. Sima Seth, thank you so much for making time for us and good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you very much, sir, for um, the opportunity to be able to speak to your radio station. It is a privilege. It's an impo important conversation. We're so thankful for you to come on. Uh, and, you know, in terms of our education as human beings, as global citizens, this is important. Uh, and all the more so uh, as people who live in South Africa, literally on the doorstep where such a major uh, act of violence and ethnic cleansing had taken place. Before we delve into this, uh, t tell us a bit about yourself, uh, Sima, your personal background, and how does this link to the story of this genocide? Yes, um, my great-grandmother was a survivor, as you said, of Shark Island extermination camp um, that is situated along the southern coast of Namibia near the South African border um, at the Orange River. This um, extermination camp was established at the height of the genocide in 1904. Um, when the camp was closed in 1908, the prisoners were sent to slave labor concentration camps. My grandmother, my great-grandmother, was herded from um, Shark Island concentration camp to Okawayo concentration camp from where the prisoners were then rented out to private companies for infrastructure um, projects 
and also to the new German settlers who had then taken over the agricultural land that was expropriated from 1905 onwards um, during the genocide. My great-grandmother worked as a slave for the German settler family and was sexually violated by the settler to whom she was rented out. Um, this is how my grandmother was born in 1914. Um, I must have been around eight or nine years old when my great-grandmother died. But yeah, the stories about the genocide were narrated to us by my grandmother during bedtime stories as they were narrated to her um, by my by my mother by my by her mother so yeah this is sort of the link um, that is in the family to to the genocide indeed and we'll talk a bit later on uh, if time permits about uh, you know the transgenerational trauma and how you, you you speak about the stories being transmitted from generation to generation but it's more than just the stories it's the pain it's the anguish uh, it's the unresolved nature of the tragedy that has occurred here. Uh, we, we obviously exploring the Sima from a beginner's perspective perhaps many many people uh, haven't heard of this at all uh, within the listenership and therefore we need to break it down uh, but firstly uh, the uh, way this genocide seems to be described in many uh, publications they speak specifically about uh, a genocide of the Herero and Nama people so if you could explain to us uh, who exactly are the Herero and Nama people yeah, um, prior to the genocides, the Ovaherero sovereign polities of Ovaherero land comprised a federation of Ovaherero speaking groups who were governed by um, chiefs and at times by a paramount chief. I, you know, I always hesitate to use the word chief, um, but for the, you know, for the benefit of the audience, I will refer to them as chiefs who were, uh, Whereas, in my opinion, they are not chiefs, they are kings. Um, yeah, and, um, and they, the, these groups were subjected to customary Ovaherero law, um, so such that much of the collective property and ownership rights um, of land um, was to, to Herero land with the tribal authorities as the trustees of this land. Um, then the Nama sovereign polities of Great Namakwa land comprised of a confederation of Nama groups who were also governed by Gaugu, what we call Gaugu, or what would now be uh, referred to as the, in the colonial language as chiefs, and um, they were subject to the supremacy of customary Nama law. Um, these polities belong to a confederation that was established under the Treaty of of Kwahangas, um of Treaty of 1858, which guaranteed the unity and the equality of all Nama clans and people. Now, with the Berlin Conference from 1884 to 1885, this set sort of the political and legal ground rules for control and colonization of Africa. Following the conference, Germany dispatched um, Imperial Commissioner 
Dr. Heinrich Ernst Göring to negotiate and conclude protection treaties as a diplomatic way of gradual land expropriation and the establishment of settler rule. Um, one of the Nama Gaugu, Gaup Hendrik Witboy, of the Witboy Nama people persistently refused to sign a treaty with Germany. And so on the night of April the 12th, um, 1893, General Kurs von Francois um, then set uh, the first extermination order in which he told his troops that the mission of this, um, of this patrol is to exterminate the tribe of the good boy. And the Germans surrounded Horenkrantz and within 30 minutes, 16,000 rounds of ammunition were fired at sleeping Nama peoples of Horenkrantz, marking the first intent and execution um, of genocide. Germany replaced von Francois with uh, Governor Le uh, Theodor Leutwein to further expand German influence by seizing land of uncooperative tribes and clans and also enslaving tribe um, members. But then later Germany was frustrated by Leutwein's failure to convince the Oberherero into surrendering and the Kaiser of Germany replaced Lloyd Wein with von Trotta to, to, to carry out, you know, a, a final sort of conclusion to this black question. And so von Trotta and his men surrounded Oberherero territory of Waterberg by early August 1904. And the entire ethnic cleansing campaign was then codified and further expressed as written policy in the second extermination order of October 2nd, 1904. Um, yeah, during the horror that, in, uh, that ensued, 80% of the total of Aherero population was wiped out. Um, later in, in September 1904, 19 Witboy men who saw what happened at Waterberg wrote to um, Hendrik Witboy to inform him about the German war crimes at Waterberg, and Witboy then sent an official declaration of war to uh, Governor Lloyd Wein, um, and he led his men into, into, into combat. So on the 22nd of April, von Trotta issued a third extermination order against the Nama people using the Ovaherero extermination order as a template um but boy died in combat he was he he sustained um a wound um in the battle near falkras and his death sort of turned the tide in the war and most of the nama tribes were forced into surrender and the aftermath was concentration camps i, I thank you so much for, for giving us overview who are the people that are involved the human beings that are involved uh, how did the germans come in uh, get involved here the background and what exactly took place the crux of of this genocide uh, tell us uh, sima just a bit about the tactics that were used and how painful these were in terms of exterminating the entire uh, the, the entire people uh, and 
was it only then just uh, killing, firing at these people, or was it uh, also a mixture of other tactics such as starvation, such as uh, disease spreading because of lack of adequate medical medical attention that was available? Yes, the Germans used various methods, um, methods that were tried here in Namibia, in present-day Namibia, and, and later um, further refined and executed during the Holocaust. The German officials decapitated Ovaherero and Nama people, forcing prisoner women and girls to scrape the faces and the flesh off the boiled heads, um, they then took the faces, they took the flesh, they took the brains of natives for scientific and medical research in order to prove the theory of African inherent inferiority. Gaub um, Cornelius Friedrich, um, one of the Nama chiefs in the colonial language, was also decapitated here at Shark Island. His head was given to his wife, Magdalena, to boil and to scrape, and then it was shipped off to, to Germany. In our family, the oral narrative is that his wife, Magdalena, jumped into the sea to feed herself to the sharks after boiling and scraping the head of her husband. So, yes, rape, floggings, execution by gunpoint, and hangings were all common methods of extermination. Also, working the natives to death without food was also a form, uh, a form of extermination. Um, this is true for women, for men, and, and for children, but particularly for women who were only deemed useful until they completed infrastructure works, such as the construction of railway lines and ports and other colonial infrastructure. Um, many of these people literally dropped to death next to the railway lines they were constructing. The Nama people were particularly seen as useless um, for labor and were simply starved to death. Um, also, with the Ovaherero people, many of them were driven into the Omaheke Desert um, where they died of thirst. Uh, those who could make it to the waterholes only found that those water holes were poisoned by the German officials and also the long marches to the concentration camps also led to the deaths um, due to exhaustion. Many um, of the Nama were also forcefully deported to Cameroon and to Togo as a means of extermination where more than 80% of them died due to the climatic conditions. Um, I must say that disease also contributed to death. There was no access to medical treatment, and the natives obviously had no access to the natural resources um, which they would use normally for medical treatment. And particularly at Shark Island, the harsh, windy, and cold weather conditions caused the death of, of so many people. So, yeah, these are just some of the ways in which this extermination was conducted. 
I, I just want you to explain a bit there about these uh, concentration camps that were used in the uh, in this genocide that took place in Namibia. You mentioned there uh, Shark Island, and we mentioned earlier that uh, you are the great granddaughter of uh, somebody who survived the horrors at Shark Island. So just give us an idea when we talk about concentration camps here on our doorstep in Namibia, what exact, where exactly were they? And, uh, and, and yeah, a bit more details on that. Yes, there were several concentration camps. Shark Island is most spoken about um, because it was the most notorious of all these um, uh, concentration camps. So there was Shark Island. There was also a concentration camp in today's capital city of Vinduk, um, right at the spot, actually, <laughs> quite, uh, um, you know, quite paradoxically, right at the spot where the current um, Namibian parliament is um, and the, the Alta Festa, they used to call it the Alta Festa or the museum, um, the Vinduk Museum, the Semnioma Museum is is located that was that was the location of the of the Vindu concentration camp another very notorious concentration camp was the Swakop Mund um, concentration camp where oh, um, thousands and thousands of people um, yeah were, were 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 murdered in in different ways um, particularly the Ovaherero people suffered um, a great fate um, at this particular camp in 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 Sokopmund. So yeah, these are some of the camps um, that that the memory, most of its memory has now been erased from the memory culture of Namibia. And yeah, as we, uh, you know, pick up the pieces then uh, of this horrible genocide through the decades since it then occurred, the survivors, the descendants of those who were killed or those who survived this genocide, as they sought to achieve justice, uh, was there a very uphill battle to be able to achieve justice? Uh, what phases did that struggle go through in order to achieve justice were was there brick walls? Was there cooperation from the governments of the day? Uh, did you have people denying that this was a genocide outright? There was no intent to wipe off a people. Uh, so just tell us in broadly about that battle for justice and how far has it gone? What has it achieved? What is the pitfalls? Yeah, of course. That is, that is, that is a big question. Um, yeah, the, it has been a struggle. Until now, the genocide has not been completely acknowledged. Um, in fact, the genocide has been justified by, by Germany using um, colonial international law. But I'll just first give you a quick rundown of the chronology of events um, uh, since 1990 at the turn of Namibian independence. In 1990, after Namibian independence, um, the political struggles to address the impacts of German colonialism become, became much more stronger among the Nama and Ovaherero communities. 
And in 2006, after lengthy discussions between the Nama Traditional Leaders Association Chairperson Gaup David Friedrich and the then Paramount Chief uh, Rizuako of the Ovaherrot uh, Traditional Leaders Association, um, Chief Rizuako, Paramount Chief, uh, brought a motion to the Namibian Parliament to commence negotiations with Germany. This uh, uh, this motion was, you, you know, unanimously sort of agreed upon by the Namibian Parliament. Um, in 2007, the German Bundestag and the Namibian Parliament basically mooted an inter-parliamentary forum, and by 2011, the German uh, the Namibian government still saw itself as a facilitator and not a negotiator in a discussion between uh, the Nama and Ovaherero leaders on the one hand and Germany on the other hand. By 2015, the Namibian cabinet commenced with interstate negotiations contrary to the 2006 resolution of parliament and also under very strict secrecy despite the fundamental importance for citizens of both countries. And I must say from the onset, the Nama and Ovaherero communities rejected any interstate negotiations and insisted on a trilateral negotiation process. By 2017, when it became clear that Germany was not willing to talk to the Nama and Ovaherero leaders, um, the leaders commenced um, with a court case in the US, in the US based on the Alien Torts um, Claims Act, and the two communities demanded their direct participation and also reparations for the genocide and the, um, the losses. In 2021, the U.S. court case was dismissed on grounds of jurisdiction and, um, yeah, on grounds of administrative procedure, and the negotiating special envoys of Namibia also initialed a joint uh, declaration uh, or some sort of agreement between Namibia and Germany that was followed by massive, massive, massive protests in Namibia um, from the entire Namibian people, led primarily by the Nama and other Ovaherero people. Um, in September of 2021, a motion to debate the joint declaration was tabled in the Namibian parliament without any conclusion and late 2022 to 23, the two governments allegedly started negotiating an, an addendum to the joint declaration with both maintaining that there would be no re negotiations. And then in 2023, January of 2023, the landless people's movement in Namibia together with the Nama Traditional Leaders Association and the Ovaherero Traditional Authority filed an application to the Namibian High Court to declare the negotiations between Germany and Namibia um, null and void. Um, so that court case is ongoing. Um, in the same year, the seven special rapporteurs of the United Nations following their independent, independent investigations officially informed the two governments that they have indeed violated several 
international legal instruments during the negotiation process and that the NTLA and OTA are legally entitled to their demands. The two governments uh, continued to, to, to uh, refuse to listen to the Nama people. They refused to listen to the United Nations. Um, so, yeah, the NTLA and OTA in 2024 announced that they will not accept any outcome of the alleged um, addendum that the two governments are negotiating and reaffirmed their call for tripartite negotiations to commence and also to look at other legal avenues of taking also the German government to the International Court of Justice. So this is where we stand with the struggle um, at the moment. Indeed, a very long and long and protect, uh, protracted struggle there, as you've described, and lots of pain, lots of agony, and till today, den denialism still exists, and uh, the uh, you know so-called institutions of international law uh, that are meant to supposedly uphold uh, justice and uh, deliver justice are actually being used and weaponized against the victims in this uh, genocide. I don't have too much time uh, more, but I have perhaps two or three final final questions here. In this very uh, important but introductory discussion on this, uh, Sima, I wanted to ask you here in terms of transgenerational trauma, how does this uh, affect the uh, descendants of this genocide today? How does it affect even Namibia as a whole today? You know, um, after the genocide and the subsequent uh, enslavement, um, several legal ordinances were passed to institutionalize and legalize the enslavement of the Nama and Ovaherero people. And unfortunately, these uh, um, these legal sort of, you know, frameworks uh, continue to exist in Namibia. Most of, if not all of these legal frameworks were, uh, were entrenched um, uh, um, during the subsequent British and apartheid South African colonial era, and they were never addressed in a targeted manner um, after independence. In order to ensure the state of intergenerational poverty and substitute, uh, servitude, the Nama and Ovaherero people were confined to reserves from where a labor pools uh, would be available. And uh, this is where they remain today uh, uh, in an independent Namibia. The native reserves have become the permanent home of the Nama and Ovaherero people, which were actually established to stifle any economic prosperity. The Germans also destroyed the repositories of our knowledge, of our culture, our practice, including our traditional names. It also interrupted mechanisms for institutional transmission of such knowledge and such culture and such practice. The Nama and Ovaherero people have lost their political power and influence just due to the numbers that were reduced so drastically um, making access to education, to health, to medical facilities, to housing and other basic services a very marginal priority for the majority governing elite that is now in Namibia. 
Um, also, many were forced into exile, with some descendants uh, most likely still remaining in, in Togo and in Cameroon, and others living in Botswana and in South Africa, having lost their identity, and where they remain marginal others in, in, foreign, in foreign countries. Um, also, very importantly, concession rights, tax rights, um, and rights to precious metals were transferred to new settler companies um, and later foreign companies. And these, you know, international conglomerate of companies continue to, to have the rights, the rights to diamonds, the rights to land, the rights to, to, to so much of the wealth that the Nama and Ovaherero um, people people have lost. So, yeah, these are just some of the of the impacts that we continue to feel. At independence, the Namibian government made a very sort of you know uh, um, uh, an effort to address um, injustices um, caused by the apartheid regime um, and targeted sort of SWAPO members to benefit from these injustices, but it never made any targeted interventions um, to deal with the colonial period of Germany. And this is where we remain today. Uh, indeed, indeed. Um, and that's obviously a, a very lamentable situation as it stands today, as you spoke about previously. The quest for justice continues as well as uh, the living conditions of those affected by this genocide uh, through trauma as well as their daily uh, living. Uh, Europe still finds itself in dire straits and still urgent intervention required there to set things aright. I'm out of time, Sima, but I just want your thoughts here finally on how, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, this is a, a, a stimulus for us to learn more about the, the suffering of uh, the, the Nama and Herrera people here through, through what has now been reported in the news. Uh, obviously, the word genocide is all over the news at the moment. Uh, regarding what is occurring in Gaza, regarding the International Court of Justice case, and so forth. Uh, your, your thoughts on what is occurring in Gaza at the moment and how this has also featured, uh, this genocide in Namibia has featured within the discussions. Yes, um, I must say that it is at Shark Island and other former concentration camps in the then Southwest Africa that, you know, all the different uh, methods were tested um, for, for, for the Jewish Holocaust. Um, so we've always, we've always felt some sort of an affinity um, to the Jewish people. However, the extremist uh, Israeli government has gone to another level of violence that is incomprehensible in this modern world. One can only say that the, the destruction is heartbreaking and the entire world has a duty to call Israel to order for its collective punishment of the Palestinian people. Um, all the signs of geno genocide are glaringly visible and it is heartbreaking that the victims of the same genocide committed by Germany appears to have become the perpetrator 
of a genocide against the Palestinian people. And it is our sincerest hope that South Africa serves as a blueprint and a benchmark for all of us to decide that we will fight for the, for the oppressed people. South Africa has indeed amplified the voice of our cause, and we congratulate specifically the Foreign Minister of South Africa for leading this very bold step in saying enough is enough. And we also hope that the entire Africa will be, can become a reservoir of hope and possibilities for a life and a future under a different geopolitical um, and economic order that is freed from the global north exploitation of the resources of the global south. And equally, we also hope that the African civil society organizations will also renew their efforts, um, just like we have done in, in Namibia, um, to call for a global reparations movement that will hold European powers accountable for the horrific crimes um, of colonialism. Um, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a twist to, to what is happening and also the utterances of both Germany and Namibia. Um, that the German government should intervene in the case made by South Africa against Israel in defense of, um, uh, uh, in defense of Israel um, doesn't actually shock us. It is consistent with German foreign policy on genocide in Namibia. Germany has always argued that it was never state policy to commit genocide in the then Ovaherero land and Namakwa land. Um, it was always consistent in saying the so-called events of mass brutality were carried out by officers who went vogue, just as Israel is now saying um, about the genocide in Gaza, it has also been consistent in saying that the German Reich acted in self-defense against rebellious natives, just as Israel is saying that it has the right to self-defense against the rebelling terrorists. Um, so, yeah, the German position is in line with its singularity sort of narrative about the Holocaust. Um, but also the utterances by the Namibian uh, presidency adds another sort of hypocritical twist um, because the Namibian government under Mr. Kinkop has been negotiating an agreement with Germany about the genocide without the involvement of the Nama and Ovaherero people. Um, and those negotiations culminated into a joint declaration which saliently sort of declares the Nama and Ovaherero people savages at the, si at, at the time that the genocide was committed. And it's doing this in, in return for infrastructure development aid to Namibia. Um, so, you know, in the face of their embarrassing justification of German genocide against Nama and Ovaherero people that is reflected in the joint declaration, the Namibian presidency has apparently been shaken out of their slumber by German utterances about the South African case against Israel. It is the same Namibian presidency who criticizes Germany in the IGC case that is forcing a bilateral joint agreement down the throats of the Nama and Ovaherero people. And I find this to be quite a paradox or contradiction in terms. And we believe as Nama and Ovaherero people that the Namibian presidency 
must walk the talk and it must take a U-turn in their engagement with Germany. Otherwise, the criticism of the Namibian presidency will just be another hollow and pretentious international praise seeking, you know, exercise um, that we've become very much accustomed to. So, yeah, to the, yeah, that is, that is what, I, that I, what I would say. Indeed, uh, some very profound uh, thoughts there and also pointing out the hypocrisies at play. Somber uh, on the other level, as you talk about the unresolved uh, quest for justice, and we hope and we pray that uh, the Nama and Ovaero people finally uh, see complete justice in this particular case, which uh, obviously has been persisting for far too long. I thank you for uh, giving us an introduction. There's much more to speak about, but obviously this is an entry point and we encourage people to learn more about this genocide that took place here in Southern Africa in the early uh, 1900s to the Nama Neva of, of Aero people. Uh, Sima, thank you so much for your time and speaking to us this evening on Radio Islam. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us.